1: Welcome to the Cannon Cast, a weekly podcast from the Canon, an SB Nation blog about the Columbus Blue Jackets. I am Will Chase, joined tonight by Pale Dragon. Pale Dragon, how are you? I'm great. I'm happy
2: to be here with our very special guest.
1: Yes, as you said, we are joined by special guest, the radio voice of the Columbus Blue Jackets, Bob McElliott. Bob, thanks so much for coming on tonight. Thanks
3: for the invite, guys. I really appreciate it. Uh, you found one night where I didn't have anything going on, so we can talk a little hockey. That's great. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah, getting right into it,
1: we were curious. What has it been like being at Nationwide Arena, covering games without fans this season, and calling games from a studio when they're on the road? Um,
3: it sucks. It just really does. I mean, there. It's the good thing about the home games is I get to actually see the game, do the job the way I'm used to doing it. You know, you can see the entire ice and what's going on with the players. Uh, so that part is okay, but you know, the fake crowd noise, isn't the real crowd, you know, the, 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 uh, the reactions to the plays are not even close to the same. So it takes a lot out of the game. The intermissions are the weirdest thing ever because it's just like this low playing music and there's no other noise. And it's really, really weird to be honest with you. And then the road games are absolutely worse because, you know, I just see what the TV lets me see. I, I can't see the entire ice surface. Um, you know, there's, there's hiccups along the way. You know, we we uh, started off using an internet feed, and I don't think I need to tell you guys what can happen with an internet feed. As soon as it buffers, look out. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, you know, there's those problems. There's uh, uh, one of the last road games, uh, we, were, we were under the, I think it was the 10-minute mark, and it should have been time for a timeout. And, you know, and I'm talking about something, and I watch, and TV goes to their commercial, and I send it to my commercial, and all of a sudden TV comes back because it was one of those rule changes they made last year where, oh, wait a minute, no, it's not a TV timeout. and But I was locked into mine, so I was just watching Carolina sit down on the Blue Jackets' and firing on the net, saying, please don't score, please don't score, please don't score. So, um, <laughs> yeah, it has its own challenges. I mean, uh, it's good to be working, but it's not even close to what it normally is for me or any any of us that are broadcasting the games.
2: Yeah. So yeah, speaking of the Jackets getting pinned to their own end and teams firing away at them, uh, this has been a very, this is not the kind of team we're used to seeing in the John Tortorella era. There've been struggles on special teams, struggles on defense. There's been the off ice drama, plus just the weirdness of a COVID season. What is going on with this Blue Jackets team? What, what do you think is, is the cause of all these issues for them? And do you think it's fixable yet this season?
3: First of all, when you said uh, the Blue Jackets back in their own zone, getting fired on, I thought you were going to say, let's talk about every game that we've seen so far this <laughs> year, because you're right uh, in, in portions of every single one of them. We're seeing that going on. Yeah. Uh, I do think it's fixable. Uh, what are the problems with it? I, I think it's a couple of things. First of all, the overall team defense, there's no cohesion there like there has been in the past. And and there are different guys here, and the center position is a mess right now. And you know, I, I think the defensemen don't have the guys to rely upon like they did before, uh, that were playing up front. And I don't think the defensemen are playing that well. And I think that I think they're trying to overcompensate to an extent. Um, you know, there are a lot of new guys on this roster, and that sounds like an excuse, but it's not. Max Domi, like he hasn't played in John Tortorella's system. And he's having right. a hard time figuring, figuring it out, as you guys know. I mean, he's on the wing right now just to take away some of his defensive responsibility because he struggled so bad with it. Um, you know, you've got Alexander Texier who's playing in the middle. That That's an issue when it comes to the defense. But I think Michael DelZotto said it perfectly after uh, the second game against Nashville, is they're not forechecking like we're used to seeing mm. them forecheck. And Delzato said, when you forecheck, you're in the other team's end. You're not worried yeah. about running around in your end because you're down there making things happen, and, and they're not doing that. And and again, some of that is a, a learning curve, and, and some of it is, uh, I, to an extent, I think some of them have to remember how it's supposed to be played here. And not having the crowd, everybody's dealing with this, but, you know, when, when there's a crowd and you're checking and you're on that team and you're forcing them into mistakes and that energy is right there to draw upon whether it's positive when you're at home or negative when you're on the road because it still gives you the same jump. It's not there, but uh, there are just, there are guys that have to still get acclimated to this system and they're taking longer, longer than we would like for it to happen, longer than John Tortorella would like for it to happen. And I think if this was a regular year, we would be like, okay, well, this has got to turn around at some point, but this being a compacted season, uh, we're sitting here going, boys, let's go. Do what you got to do. You, you've got to turn this around.
2: Yeah, it, it's interesting. I, I wrote this morning, I, I was looking back at the starts of some recent seasons and through 19 games, actually, last year's numbers were pretty bad in a lot of areas in terms of not scoring and allowing a lot of goals. Uh, and they turned that around, although some of the underlying numbers were better last year, which indicated that things could get better. I don't know if they will this year. Um, now, in terms of the slow start, every team has to deal with the same COVID protocols and the limits on practice and a shortened training camp. But do you think that maybe hurt the Blue Jackets more than other teams because it's such a team-centric system and because there's so much more maybe to learn about it than other teams might have?
3: I'll take it a step further for you. Yes. The the easy answer is Yes. But I think what's hurt them more is you've got guys that are coming in from other places and they're trying to fit in here. And, and you can do that, but they're limited to work. They're limited to the arena and to the ice. And on the road, they're limited to the hotel and to the ice. You know, in years past, you get guys in here. Look, in years past, if you started the season in Nashville and you were going to be there for three nights, you would be fully bonded by mm-hmm. the time you left Nashville. Uh, because you, you would have the chance to go out and, and do stuff and, and have a beer and all that, you know, your dinners. They cannot do any of that. And I know that that sounds like an excuse, but it, it really makes a difference in this sport. I still believe that. And, and when you get oh, new sure. guys that are trying to fit in, you're trying to get to know your teammates, but you're only getting to know them in one setting. And I think that those conversations that you have when you're at dinner, uh, when you're having a couple of drinks, and and it doesn't have to be everybody. Maybe it's just a couple of guys, but you just get more comfortable. You start to understand more. And again, every team's dealing with that too. Every team that has new players is dealing with it. But the way this team operates as such a, a unit, I think that that has hurt them that, you know, you yeah. can't just say, hey, uh, Max, Michael Delzotto, uh, Patrick Line, look, tonight this is what we're doing and we're going here for dinner and be in the lobby at six and here we go um that's not part of it so they've got to figure out how to make it work outside of that
1: i remember last uh or a couple years ago when they had their western canadian swing and they were struggling and they had that big uh big dinner i think in vancouver and that you know they turned it around from there and got into the playoffs and everything so yeah it makes a lot of sense but yeah Yeah, they, uh, they
3: also had a big meeting in vancouver where a lot of uh a lot of dirty laundry was thrown out there and, and put true. in front of everybody. And that was that I, that was more so than the <laughs> dinner, but the dinner was a part of it. So you're right. That's true. Yeah. So speaking of the
1: NHL and COVID, the protocols, what grade would you give the NHL for their handling of COVID matters this season?
3: Oh, I, uh, I don't know. I'm um, I think they're doing the best that they can do under this circumstance. Yep. Uh, if you're not going to put them into a bubble, this is what was going to happen. We saw it happen in baseball. Sure. It happened in football. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. I am I think it's – I hate that it is like it is. I think to ask not only a pro athlete but to ask anybody to, look, you can go from the rink and you can go home and make sure you get your groceries delivered and you don't go anywhere. And You know, I mean, it's <laughs> – that's a lot to ask of people and, and the guys that have kids and they're going to school. And what are you going to do if your kid goes to school and happens to come home and you, and you wind up on a list? I mean, some of these guys aren't even sick. They don't even have any symptoms. But yet you get slapped with the protocol and then you've got to be in the, in the protocol and for, I don't know, 10 days, whatever it is now. It seems like it changes a lot just in general. So um, I, I think they're doing the best that they can do with it. I, I don't know. Guys, it's a virus. I mean, you know, what, what can you do? People are wearing masks and people are staying socially distanced and uh, and they're still doing all that when they're not on the ice. They're doing it in the dressing room. They're doing it in the weight room. And, um, you know, it's easy to point fingers and say, well, you could be doing more, but I, I don't know what else they could do, to be honest with you. So, I think I think they've done fine. I, maybe if you're the Flyers, you don't think so because you had seven guys that couldn't go to Lake Tahoe and play. <laughs> but but you know, I think overall, you kind of uh, it, it's almost like a I don't know. I don't want to say luck of the draw, but I mean, it, but it kind of is like right. if you yeah. if you're in a good situation and right. this team so far, knock on wood, has been, and other teams haven't been. Are there any
1: surprises or anything that surprises you for how things have unfolded so far across the league this year?
3: Well, the biggest surprise is how quickly you forget about all the other teams in the league because you're playing in an eight-team league this year, right? I mean, my my focus is on seven other teams, and that's all we see. Like, when I turn on the TV and, you know, the other night I was in the booth and I put on the NHL Network and the Penguins are playing the Islanders at the same time we were playing, and I was like, oh, yeah, the Penguins and Islanders are in this league. I forgot about that. and I mean, you don't forget, but it's really weird, isn't it? Because... Who cares what the Edmonton Oilers do? Who cares what the LA Kings do? It doesn't affect you unless you get your act together and you get all the way to the semifinals. That's the only time you play a team that's outside of your division. So, um, it's, uh, I've just been really looking inside this division, but, but even inside this division, I think what the Chicago Blackhawks are doing is quite surprising. And, and maybe it shouldn't be because I think they're playing like the blue jackets of old where they've got a lot of young guys getting an opportunity they're playing hard they've got a goalie that uh, yeah. wasn't supposed to be you know they were supposed to have no goalies right and uh, all of a sudden this uh, lankin and kids come out of nowhere and and he's lighting it up and you know they still have patrick kane which is a heck of a boost so uh, in in this division that's been it's not fun to watch because you know the blue jackets have been on the wrong side of it before <laughs> but um hopefully see it'll be tomorrow, fun to yeah. watch here at nationwide arena we'll see
1: and speaking of the the division layout and format, do you like the two game series this
3: season? I do, I do. Um, selfishly, as a broadcaster, I like it because you get prepared for the first game, and then the second game just uh. builds off the first. And I did baseball for years, so the three game series were great. Like you, as long as you're ready for the first game, the second and third game come to you. But um, but I think from to take it beyond that, uh, for the players. You know, again, they can't leave the hotel and do anything. But, you know, you play a game in Chicago and you don't have to jump on a plane and fly to Minneapolis and, and then play uh, in St. Paul the next day, right? You're, you're always jumping around. I've told this story a million times, but when the Blue Jackets moved from the West to the East, Jody Shelley said to me, keep a bag packed by the door because you're never going to feel like you're at home. And I didn't know what he meant until we got into the East where, as you guys know, you can play at home against Philly on Friday night. You're jumping on a plane. You're playing in Washington, D.C. on Saturday. You're flying back home. You're flying out on Monday to go to Pittsburgh for a Tuesday game. You're coming back home and playing against the Islanders on Thursday. It's constant. And with so many cities being an hour flight, you're just constantly jumping. And I think from the, from the team standpoint where they get a chance to take a breath after games and, and get that extra day, and whether they practice or they don't practice, uh, they're still there, and they didn't have to go anywhere, and they didn't have to jump on a plane, and, and they can still get rest. And I, I think that's the biggest benefit of it. As a matter of fact, I want to see what happens when this is all over because I think in some form, I think this is going to continue. I, and I don't know what kind of form. Maybe it's just within your division because it creates even more rivalry because you can get chippy from one game to the next game. Um, you know, I don't know. Remember when we used to go – would go out west one year, and then the next year, you know, that team would come in and play in Columbus. Maybe you do something like that, where now you go out and you play two games this year, and then next year they come in and play two games. I don't know, but I can see from what it's uh, saving in travel cost, what it's saving in the wear and tear on the athletes and the fact that I think it's gone pretty well. I can see it staying in some form, even when we return to normal. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah,
2: it seems especially like players in the Western Conference, like Logan Couture and Jonathan Taves, are the ones that seem to be most vocal about wanting to do that, which makes sense considering how much travel is an issue out West, obviously. Like you said, in the East, we're an hour flight away from anywhere, so that's not as much of an issue, but definitely out West it would make sense to do more of this. As a fan, selfishly, I do like to be able to see – every team come to Columbus each year so I can see those stars in the, in the Western yeah. conference more frequently, but.
3: Well, and, that, and that's the other part about it, to be honest with you, like are, are your ticketing people, are they going to be excited about um, a team? Um, this is, well, it's a good example. Now it used to be a bad example, but Detroit is struggling. So do you want Detroit there on Wednesday and Friday, or do you want Detroit there on Wednesday? And do you want the Penguins there on Friday? You know, sure. Um, it, it, it's a much better draw obviously so all of that's going to factor in as well but yeah out west like when we were in the west it it wasn't too bad because we were basically out for a week back for a week and you went a couple of different places but uh yeah that you guys you have no idea how nice it is to go into a place (laughs) and know that you're staying after the game and be able to hang up your stuff in a closet because here's what happens on a game day when it's a getaway day um let's say you have a morning skate so you get on the bus at 10 o'clock you go over to the arena Uh, The guys skate. You're getting back around 12, 1230, uh, depending upon how long they skate. And then you're back on the bus at four o'clock to go back to the rink. So you have to have all your stuff packed and put back on that bus at four o'clock. When you're staying afterwards, you take all that out. You know, you just have to have yourself ready. And then maybe you take the later bus if you want to. But even if you don't, just get yourself ready. Get on that bus. Go over. Do the game. You get to come back. And then you get to relax and get up at a reasonable hour the next morning and get on a flight and go somewhere else. So it it just makes I I can't tell you how big of a difference it makes to actually take your suit out and hang it up in the closet and know that (laughs) you can kind of spread out because I'm going to be here for at least a day and a half.
2: Oh, for sure. For sure. Shifting gears back to the team. Uh, what are your impressions of the new guys lining and Rosalvik since that trade?
3: Well, I mean, Jack came in here flying, right? I mean, he's coming home and, and playing like he was excited to come home, which I'm sure he is and playing the center position, which the blue jackets desperately need and doing a pretty good job of it. I know in the last two games, he's kind of faltered. Um, but he's going to falter because he's a young guy trying to learn basically a new position and, and doing it with a coach that, has a lot of demands out of that position so that's that's going to happen but you know it I think you guys might agree in the first couple of games it was like oh well the steel was getting Roslovic as part of this deal because of the way that he was exactly. playing right um and, and Patrick I'm trying to figure out Patrick Line and great shot we all know that he has got a great shot but sometimes I'm watching him play and, and he goes like the same speed all the time and and I was just talking with John luc Grandpierre about this after uh, the game against Nashville on Saturday. I said, you know, when Artemi Panarin was here, and, and I bring him up because he and Line A are superstars. There's no doubt. They are of the same caliber. And, you know, Panarin, smaller guy, was always moving fast, so he always looked like he was doing something. And even when he wasn't, that he looked like he was hustling, he was doing something. Line A's a bigger guy, and he's got more of that longer stride. So I'm trying to figure out, you know, there's sometimes you can mistake him is looking uninterested, but if you watch, he skates the same way all the time. So I think it's just who he is. And, um, and it, but visually you can be fooled and go, is this guy even in this game tonight? But then he'll get the puck on his stick and he'll throw a laser at the net. So, uh, so I guess he is, but, um, so he, you know, again, he's, he's learning too. I mean, he learned a hard lesson as yeah. soon as he got here, <laughs> Patrick Klein, he did. And, uh, and, you know, and I don't know how he's been coached before or what's gone on with him before, but, uh, you know, there's a new sheriff in town and, and he's got to do things this way. I think he'll be fine because he's a superstar and he'll make the adjustments. Uh, you know, Max Domi the one I've been surprised with, surprised slash disappointed with because, you know, we all thought he's going to be the number two center. Maybe he's going to push Dubois to be the number one center. And then even with Dubois out of the picture, he's not playing center. So, you know, to me, he's the guy that's just got to I don't know if he has to get out of his own head and just go and play or, or what it is. I don't mind him with Nash and Robinson, because those two guys just go straight up the ice. They don't mess around. They don't twirl in circles. They just Eric Robinson, by the time he's got the puck and you try to figure out where he is, he's already in the other end. Right. So uh, I think that's good for Max, quite frankly, to, to get that mentality of just playing a straight ahead game.
2: Yeah, so for for Line A, there's a comparison I wanted to to run by you. I feel like he reminds me a little bit of a young Rick Nash where they came into the league as teenagers, big guys, great shots, scored goals in bunches. Um, And then with Nash, I think his game took a leap forward when Hitchcock came in and sort of taught him how to use his body more to play more physical game, play more of a 200-foot game. Uh, do you see any similarity there? And do you think Torts can maybe have that effect on line A and maybe mold him into a, a less of a one-dimensional player?
3: Uh, I think that's possible. I, I hope that he's open to that, that Patrick, that is. I hope he's open to listening to that. Uh, when I talked with Torts a couple of games ago, he was talking about the fact that he thinks that line A can be more of a power forward than, than Patrick thinks that he can. He's got that kind of uh, strength, and that he needs to take it all the way to the net sometimes, and not stop and, and fire that shot from the top of the circle or the hash mark. So, uh, yeah, I, I think there's there is definitely potential there. And look, if if he would if he embraces some of these lessons and becomes more of a two way player, he's going to be a much more dangerous player in this league because he'll turn that defense into turnovers, and he'll turn those turnovers into opportunities whether they're for him to score or to set up somebody else to score because one thing that we definitely have seen when they got him Yarmo Kekalainen went out of his way to say what a good passer this guy is and he is he's a good passer sometimes it's too good depending on who he's on the ice with they're not ready for it right (laughs) so um but yeah I I think he could learn a lot from John Tortorella I do
1: today's episode is brought to you by cars.com You were a broadcaster for the Syracuse Crunch and the Johnstown Chiefs. So you've got a long history with Jody Shelley. Any favorite Jody Shelley stories?
3: (laughs) Uh, Yeah, not all of them are arable. But uh, yeah, we did. We we (laughs) spent a lot of time. It's really funny. uh, You know, when you when you look back on life and, you know, here's a player that in the 1998-99 season, uh, or no, ninety seven, ninety eight. I think maybe it was it, uh, I was with him. He, uh, I'm trying to think. No, it was ninety eight, ninety nine. That's right. So, so I, I was with him and he was with Calgary at the time and he was, uh, you know, long haired guy, didn't have all of his teeth, fought everybody that looked at him the wrong way on the ice and, uh, nice enough guy off the ice as as all of us know now, but you know, it's just funny. I, I was there with him and then, um, you know, there were a lot of guys on that team that were disheartened to be in the East Coast Hockey League at the time. They all thought they belonged in the American Hockey League. There was a whole group of them. So the, the whole team was just kind of disjointed uh, that year that I was there. And then I left and I went to Syracuse a year before they affiliated with the Blue Jackets. And, and then the, the Blue Jackets signed Jody. And so during the 99-2000 season, he came back in. And, uh, and I, I said, they had made the playoffs the, the year after I left. And, you know, I asked him, I said, what changed down there? He said you know what a whole bunch of guys just started to figure yeah we don't think we belong here but here we are so we might as well win hmm. and um, you know and, and I I just gained a lot more respect for him at that moment and I'm not saying that he was one of the guys that was you know that was complaining about being there the year that I was there with him but it was it was just a good revelation and now he's in the American Hockey League and he knew he had a real good opportunity. With the Blue Jackets, if he could do the things that they wanted him to do, and and it didn't take long, right? He was there that first year. He was there for part of uh, the second year of the affiliation. Then he was here, and then and then that was it. And I came up and filled in a couple of times and got to see him then. But you know, it uh, we it's just really cool that that that's happened. Where for like the last twenty years, we've been connected through that, and I've seen him play at two different levels. But my really my favorite story about him is is the one that he tells better than me is the first night that he broadcast a preseason game with me. And he came in with a big book and he, you know, he was walking in like he, not that he had it all figured out, but he had that air of confidence about him. Like he should, right. You, like if you don't know what you're doing, pretend you know what you're doing and people will buy it. And, uh, and he came in and he had this, he had this book and I go, Oh, where'd you get that? He goes, oh, I talked to Bill Davich about this. This and, and he had all these notes and, and I said, it's a preseason game, first of all. So half the guys were going to see, you're never going to see them again. So I was just like, all right, that's cool. And uh, so then we got, we got on the air and uh, I told him, I said, I'll handle the pregame and after the anthem, I'll bring you on. So I went on, I did the pregame uh, or I did the first hit and then took the break for the anthem. So the lights go out and my boss sends me a text. He goes, I forgot to tell you, we need three keys to the game. So the anthem's playing. I lean over to Jody, and I said, hey, can you uh, give me three keys to the game when we come back? Just three things we have to do to win this game. It's Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. As he tells the story now, he goes, "He goes, I come in there. I thought I had it all figured out. The lights go out. Bob starts talking a million miles an hour, asking me if I can do three keys to the game. And I come out, and I'm like, I, 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 I. <laughs> <laughs> so you know and it, it, it's it's funny it's my favorite story because here's a guy that is big and strong and wasn't afraid to take on anybody in his hockey career and little did i know at that moment that there was a tiny bit of fear within him because he wasn't exactly sure what he was doing and he didn't want to sound stupid i thought he was fine i thought he got through it just fine but you know later when he told me the story and again if you ever get him to tell the story it is much funnier coming from <laughs> yeah. him than it is coming from me. But uh, it it is my favorite. And it's my favorite now because I see how far that he has come in that role and, and how much he's grown from that first day to where he is right now. And, and, and I'm really proud of him and the work that he's put into it to get to this point.
2: When you knew him as a player, did you ever sense that he had potential as a broadcaster?
3: Yeah, yeah, I sure did. As a matter of fact, when I first came here, and I was working with George Matthews and George at that time was talking about retiring and, and we didn't know when he was going to retire, but thought it was going to be, you know, sooner than it actually was. And, uh, I was, I was talking with uh, Russ Mollahan, our director of broadcasting, and we were in agreement that Jody Shelley would be great because we knew he was going to come back and live here because his wife was from here and that's where they were going to raise their kids. And I had my relationship with him. So, you know, I really wanted him to come back and, and do what he's doing now. But he, I remember he signed with Philadelphia and uh, I was in the office that day. And I said to Russ, I go, Oh man, you mean we have to wait three more years to have this happen now? (laughs) Cause he just signed this deal with Philly. Um, But actually the timing worked out great because, you know, George stayed through that time. And and when George retired was actually the same time that Jody retired. So it, You know, he kind of came in and and then he and I worked together. So it couldn't it couldn't have worked out any better for everybody that was involved. But, yeah, there was um, there was many years before he ever started to do it that I was lobbying for him to do it with us because I thought he would be really good at it.
2: A couple of years ago, you got to fill in on Fox Sports Ohio for a couple of games when Jeff Rimmer was out. Got to work with Jody on that. Do you ever see yourself making the jump to a full time TV job or do you prefer doing games on radio?
3: To be honest with you, I would. The only way I would see me doing the full time jump to a TV job is if it was this job, like when, when Jeff is done doing the job, if I'm still around and, you know, if they would want me to do it, yeah. I mean, as far as leaving to go to another team and do it or something like that. I would just as soon be right here and do what I do. Um, You know, I, I do, I do enjoy doing radio and and I'll tell you guys, the difference between radio and TV literally is that when you do radio, it's your show, however you want it to come out. You can't figure out how the game's going to get played and who's going to win, but however (laughs) you want to portray it to the fans is up to you. You don't have anybody in your ear saying, we're going to come back and do this next, or we've got this replay, or here comes this live read. You make all the decisions. You're in total control of what goes on. The only time I hear from a producer is when we go to a break and he's counting me down when we're coming out of the commercial. He'll tell me, you got 10, you got five. Okay, here you go. That's that's literally it. Everything else, I control. I can do it however I want to do it. When you're on television, there's always somebody talking in your ear the entire time that you're doing the game and they're telling you those things. This is coming up, I'll watch this. We've got a replay of what happened behind the play. Um, You know, there are advantages to that too because you have a whole bunch of people down in the truck watching a bunch of screens. They see way more than you do because they've got five people watching different things and then they can just get in your ear and say, (laughs) hey, back at the blue line is where he got tripped. We're gonna show you at the whistle. Okay, because I might've missed that just watching it live. So, um, they're both fun, but you know, radio is, look, I grew up listening to radio. When I was growing up, every game wasn't on TV. You couldn't watch them all like you can today. So that was the medium that I fell in love with. That's, you know, I wanted to get into radio uh, and not necessarily sports radio. I wanted to be a morning DJ. Cause I thought those guys sounded like they were having the most fun in the world and they were getting paid for it. But then you know, once I got into high school and I realized I wasn't going to be a college or pro athlete, I figured out a way to kind of merge the two things that I really enjoyed doing. And, and here I am today. So if I were to stay on radio, I'm absolutely fine with that. Uh, if there was another opportunity here with the Blue Jackets someday, then I would, uh, I would certainly embrace that. But I will tell you this, uh, working with Jody is a big part of that because um, it, everything we do, we have fun. You know, whether it's our weekly radio show, whether it's the the rink report before the game, that game that I did on Fox when Jeff was ill, uh, that was a terrible game. It was an awful game. It was in New Jersey. Cam Atkinson scored in the first couple of minutes of the game. And they didn't score again until a shootout when Panarin scored to win the game in a shootout. It was terrible as far as if you want to make a resume tape game, that was not it because it was blah. But it was fun because I did it with Jody. So um, so that's a long-winded answer to your question, but it's the honest answer to your question.
2: Yeah, well, and I have to say that uh, there are a lot of people who do listen to the games primarily on the radio, whether it's because they don't get Fox Sports Ohio currently or whether it's because they're out of market and that's just the easiest way to follow the team. And and all of the people on our site that, that listen to the games on the radio, they're they're glad that you're the one calling the games on there. So
3: I appreciate that.
1: I was listening to the radio call of the playoff game against the five, the five overtime Tampa Bay game. I started listening on the radio and I got to finish it on TV. And like, I didn't even expect, uh, no one expected that whole, that whole marathon, but. <laughs> 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 Which announcers inspired you to get into the business?
3: Listen, I grew up, um, I grew up an hour to an hour and a half East of Pittsburgh and, and my parents were from Pittsburgh. And when I was growing up, I didn't know there were any other teams beside the Pittsburgh teams, except the ones that played against those teams. Right. I mean, it wasn't like today. The, my favorite teams were the hometown teams. That's how my dad was. Uh, I was not one of these guys that wanted to like a team that my dad uh, didn't like just to, you know, some people say, well, why do you like that team? Well, my dad liked them and my dad and I, <laughs> I didn't want to like the same team as him. So I picked this one. So I wasn't one of those guys. I was, uh, I was a a hometown guy. So uh, you know, the guys that that did the radio, you know, Mike Lang, who I still to this day, when I, when I go there and and I'm in the same room with Mike and, and he, he treats you just like anybody else after, you know, growing up and and listening to him, listening to him all those years uh, is, it's really cool. Uh, He's just a good old fashioned down to earth guy. And I really appreciate that. Uh, Lanny Terry did the pirates and, and I really, when I got into this, I, I wanted to be a baseball guy. I thought that's what I was going to do. And and uh, Lanny was a guy that I listened to all the time. He was also somebody that I reached out to a few times and uh, had a couple of conversations with that were nice. Uh, and then uh, back in the day, Jack Fleming was doing the Steelers. So those were the guys primarily that I listened to. And, and uh, they were the guys that I wanted to be. Uh, like I said, I, I thought I wanted to be a baseball guy, and little did I know that hockey was going to come calling, and, and that's where I belong. But I'm glad that uh, I'm glad somebody knew that, even if it wasn't me. Sounds like Doc Emmerich. I was watching his special yesterday, and he thought he was going to do baseball
1: back in the day, also. So
3: yeah, and that's probably the only time you'll compare me to Doc Emmerich, <laughs> So I appreciate that.
1: <laughs> well, I had to, I had to mention, but yeah, whether it's hockey or other sports, who do you enjoy listening to?
3: Yeah, I. Um, yeah, and, and by the way, I, I should have mentioned too. Remember back when ESPN had the games back in the day, Gary Thorne and Bill Clement. Mm, I used to yes. love watching yeah. them. Yeah. I, so I still good. miss those guys, you yep. know? I, I I wish I wish they would do a, a just do a game somewhere and let them both come back and do the game together. It would be so fun just to listen to. And then of course they were on the early EA Sports games, right? So so uh, you always heard them uh, and I really appreciated them. Uh, you know, it's kind of funny because now I know some of these guys like I can turn on an NFL game and Kenny Albert can be calling the game. And of course, Kenny does radio for the Rangers. Yeah. So I've, I've seen, I've gotten to meet Kenny and uh, you know, we talk all the time. He has a daughter that's going to Syracuse. So every time I see him, he'll be like, well, I was up in your old neck of the woods just a couple of weeks ago. And, and and he says it just like that in case you're wondering. So, um, but I like listening to Kenny because I know him. I think he does a really good job. I like listening to Kevin Harlan on, on football too. Um, you know, I, uh, I I like listening to Paul Keels on the radio doing Ohio state football. He's got that, he's got that big voice. And, and again, he's a guy that, you know, we're both on the fan and, and I run across him occasionally when we're over there in the studio to do a show. And, and again, you couldn't, couldn't meet a nicer guy. So, uh, yeah, there's, there's a lot of guys when I'm flipping through, I'm, uh, I'll, I'll leave them on and listen to them. And, and like I said, when it comes to the NHL, when I'm going through the dial, um, it's kind of cool that I start going through and I go, Oh, who's playing at home. And uh, you know, who's, who's the guy that I like the most, maybe not even on the air, but who, who's the guy that I think's the the coolest guy. And I'm going to listen to that game today. Cool. I've been going down the YouTube wormhole for uh, Gary Thorne and Bill Clement highlights.
1: <laughs>
2: I have to ask you about about John Tortorella. He has this reputation as being, let's say, adversarial with the media. Um, and yet, you know, when he's one-on-one with you, uh, he's very polite and friendly and very talkative. You get him to open up about a lot of stuff. So uh, you're kind of the torts whisperer. So w- what is the secret to to taming torts or, or to getting the best kind of interview out of a subject like that?
3: Well— First of all, he's not always nice and polite to me, by the way. Maybe (laughs) when the microphone's on, but not always. Uh, But that's cool because that's who he is. And he's a, you know what? He's a Boston guy. And those guys from the Northeast, they, sometimes they just like to complain. They just like to be grouchy and they like to give it to you. And if you don't give it back, they got you. But if you give it back, they respect you. And, And I can't tell you at what point that started between he and I. Uh, I do remember this is a true story. When, uh, when he got hired, I was sitting in my house on my couch next to my wife and I pulled up all of his YouTube clips Same. and I watched all of those YouTube clips <laughs> and I looked at her and I said, how am I going to handle this guy? And, um, and I called Kenny Albert and I said, Kenny, tell me what I need to know about John Tortorella. And the biggest piece of advice that Kenny gave me ask good questions and you will get great answers. Hmm. So he challenges you. I mean, like, like for the first interview I did with him in Minnesota, I've told him this story. He thinks I'm lying to him, but it's a true story. I was nervous as could be. And I had been broadcasting for many years that I'm getting a one-on-one with John Tortorella before he coaches his first game for the blue jackets. The team's already zero and seven. And I've got to get three to five minutes out of this guy who has a reputation of just chewing people up and spitting them out. But, um, I was nervous when I did it, but we got through it. And I think it was by the second interview, I said to him, I go, listen, I know everybody calls you torts. I said, can I do that in an interview? Because I just don't want to assume that we're buddy, buddy. You know, I I don't want you to feel like that. I feel that we are really tight. So I'm just going to do that. I want to ask you if that's okay. He goes, yeah, sure. That's fine. And then we were in uh, Washington and he and I were talking about, and, and I, I did this on purpose because I wanted him to know what my background was. And I, we were talking about the minor leagues and I let it be known to him that I was in the East coast hockey league and I was in the American hockey league and uh, that Jody was there and Jody had played for him. And, you know, Jody had already said to him, Hey, this is, this is a good guy. Don't, don't, uh, you know, jump to conclusions early with him. So, (laughs) so that laid the foundation, but then it comes back to that other stuff. Like you're talking about, like, like he just loves to give it to people and, and I, and I give it back. We have the same type of personality in many ways. Right. And that's why we have the conversations that we do. And I can't always get him to open up because, you know, sometimes he's got other stuff on his mind or he doesn't have time. And, and, and I know those days, you know, he'll come in and, and I know, I know if this is going to be totally serious or if I'm going to get a chance to jab him here or there. But I think over the course of the years that he's gotten to the point where he knows I'm going to try to, to get a jab in on him at some point, probably near the end. And, and he just rolls with it. And that's what I appreciate the most. And, and, you know, when he's gone and he's not coaching here anymore for whatever reason, and whenever that is, uh, I'll miss him. And I will have to explain to the next head coach, listen, if I ask you a question and you think I'm trying to trap you or something, please don't take it that way. I've just dealt with John Tortorella where I could ask this man anything. And he'd tell me anything I want to know because of the level of trust. So bear with me here. Um, but that's what I really appreciate the most is that he trusts me and he respects me the same as I trust him and I respect him. And, uh, and I never would have thought the first day that he came in here that I would have the relationship with him that I do today. And uh, that's really because he's not the man that he is portrayed to be in the national media.
2: Yeah, what would you say is the biggest misconception about him, or, or what do people get wrong about him most often when they talk about him?
3: Well, he even says it, and I still think people don't believe him. Is he's not out to punish people? He doesn't. He doesn't like that. He he doesn't he doesn't take pleasure in pride in telling a player they're going to be scratched. Uh, I think even if you really would sit back and take a look, I think he gives them even more chances before he does scratch them. Uh, you know, there are times where I'm like, when is this guy coming out of the lineup? I mean, what, what's going on? And, um, you know, sometimes he eventually gets to that point. Sometimes he doesn't take him out and then the guy responds well and, and he never comes out of the lineup. But I think that, um, You know, it goes back to the line juggling, too. I mean, people say, well, does that disrupt chemistry? How many times in the past five years have you seen a line come together that would have never happened, but there was a game in which he felt people weren't being effective, so he mixed it up and he put these three guys together, and all of a sudden they stayed together for three weeks to a month because they were producing so well. Um, There's a method to his madness. I think that's what's most misunderstood about him. There is a method to his madness in what he does, a lot of these tirades at times, he is taking the focus and putting it on him and taking it off his team.
0: Yeah. A couple
3: of years ago, we were in Winnipeg, and he came out after the morning skate to do his his uh, media availability. And I don't even remember what happened. I remember that he started to talk and he started to go off about stuff. And I was thinking, where did this come from? Like, this is, I, I don't even know what he's talking about here. The, uh, I didn't sense this was an issue yesterday on the plane. I didn't sense it was an issue with everybody I talked to last night. And, and so he's, but he's just going and he's sucking them all in, right? First of all, he's in Canada. He knows this is going to go everywhere. <laughs> so he's sucking them all in and I'm standing next to him and I know I'm in the shot and I'm trying not to laugh. And because, because I know some of this is real, but a lot of this is a show and we got done. And the, the guy that uh, was doing the jets radio says to me, do you get him one-on-one now? I said, yeah. He goes, well, good luck with that. I said, I go, believe me, (laughs) this is going to be fine. And we walked over to the side away from everybody. And I looked at him and I said, look, I don't know what you're doing, but I know what you're doing. You're taking the focus off your team and putting on a big show out here. I said, I just want you to know I'm not fooled. And he laughed and we did our normal interview. And that thing aired all day long. I was like the, you know, I was in every shot on every television in Canada for like eight hours that day because it was just John Tortorella all day for what he went off on. And and what it was was there was something going on with the team and he didn't want it to become an issue. So he just came out and he made it all about him. And that's another big misconception. When he does that, it's not because he's got this huge ego – it's not because he wants to be the focus of attention he takes it away from his team and a lot of these media people don't understand what's going on I mean I do and I think the players not I think I know they appreciate that when Corpusalo got hurt in that Chicago game that should have been over and had to go into overtime and um, you know when Corpusalo didn't go to the all-star game because of that injury and all that remember he yeah. came out there and he blew up in that press conference you know what nobody ever asked in that press conference, how were you up three to one and you let that thing get away? Because they played terribly and let Chicago back into that game. Mm -hmm. And that normally would have been the focus. And his team didn't have to answer any of those questions. It became about the clock. And then when he came out there, he just blew the whole thing to smithereens. Nobody ever asked that question to this day. That's the kind of thing that he does that some people just don't get. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. Cost him a lot of money, too. By the way, to do that, to deflect. <laughs> That's for sure. Yeah.
1: One last question for you. What is your greatest career highlight? Uh,
3: I think it's, um, well, first of all, beyond just getting the chance to come here after spending a long time uh, in the minor leagues and both hockey and baseball. And, you know, when you're there, you know, I did baseball for 16 years, I did hockey for 12 years, uh, the last 12 years at the same time. And, you're there and and you're getting older and and now you've got a family and you can, you can get by on what you're making, but how long can you get by on that? Are you ever going to get a real chance to, to make it to the top? So when you do get that opportunity, um, that's still my biggest career achievement is just, look, there's 31 of these jobs in the entire world. There'll be 32 next year in the world. And I happen to have one of them. So I see that as a big accomplishment, and uh, and there was a lot of a lot of work behind that, and a lot of hours behind that, and um, and I can't be more pleased, and I can't be more thankful that I have this job. But when it comes to uh, like an an event or calling, uh, what's the biggest call? Look, that four game sweep against Tampa is going to rank there for quite some time. It's gonna it's gonna rank until until probably there's a conference championship or in a Stanley cup championship, to be honest with you, because that was, that was so cool. And game one in Tampa and and they were up and, and I had to sit in the main press box because they had, they had a national radio broadcast. I got kicked out of my booth. I'm sitting out there with all these writers and I'm already just pissed. And then you know, Blue Jackets are down by three goals. And I'm like, Oh, here it is. Just the script is written and they're just playing it out here. And I've got to listen to all this. There were people right in front of me and they had noisemakers. And when they put their noisemakers up, it was in my line of sight. And and it was driving me nuts. I just wanted to scream. I wanted to rip those noisemakers out of their hands. And by the end of the night, it was like calling a game in the (laughs) library. It was so quiet in there. (laughs) People had nothing to say. And it was awesome. And then to watch it happen three more times was even better. To not have to return there and see those people again was even better. So uh, that's going to be the pinnacle for a while. Like I said, until there's a, another big series victory or a, or a one game that uh, leads you to a championship, uh, I think that one's going to rank for quite a while.
2: Well, and that that was definitely uh, an all time call too. That you had at the end of game four. You know, I got two words for you. That's just I can watch the highlights of that with that clip at the end. I just I never get tired of that.
3: Dirt. well good i'm glad you know and that's a cool thing too um you know to to go back and watch those highlights or even if you have a game at night and, and you come back and you turn on nhl the ne- network in the morning and and sometimes to hear your own calls is still surreal to be honest with you and and i appreciate it because i know for those people that are there cutting those highlights if they're going to find my call they're doing some work they're doing extra work to go get it so uh, i appreciate that but uh, sometimes it's still a a pinch me moment. Whenever you, uh, wake up in the morning, you turn on those highlights and you hear your own voice coming back at you. It's definitely been great getting to chat with you. We really appreciate you coming on. Well, thanks guys. As I said, I, uh, I appreciate the invitation and I'm glad to have people like you out there doing things, uh, loving hockey, promoting the blue jackets, um, being there even when you can't be there, like you haven't been able to be there this year. I think that's even so much more important that, uh, You know, a show like yours is continuing to to drive uh, the popularity of the team and the appreciation for the players and all of that stuff. And, uh, you know, hey, you can get on there and uh, you can gripe and moan about plays and players. And that's all part of the deal. And that's uh, that's you know, we all do it. Right. So. um, So thanks for having me, but more so. Yeah, right. thanks for having me, but uh, thanks even more so for being this passionate to do the stuff that you guys do, and whether it's a website or whether it's a show, and all the effort that you put into it that uh, I'm sure people appreciate. Uh, you may not hear that all the time, but being able to go somewhere and, uh, and listen to the Blue Jackets content you, that you want to and be able to read the content that you want to and, and just get some different voices in it um i know i appreciate it when when i do it so i'm sure that uh, all the fans appreciate you guys doing it as well
1: and that's really awesome to hear
3: yeah well, thanks it means it, a lot bob thank you well thank you guys we'll be uh thanks, we'll be
1: listening and we'll be listening and watching tomorrow night all
3: right sounds good have a good night guys appreciate it subscribe to the canon cast
1: on itunes spotify google Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts so you can catch every episode leave us a review and a rating and as always we welcome your thoughts and feedback Go to jacketscannon.com for more Blue Jackets coverage from us and follow us on Twitter at CBJ Cannon. Our theme music is the song Green Eyes by Angela Perley and the Howling Moons. Check out angelapearly.com for more music and show dates. Baby, sunshine in My heart.